So this morning, I want to honor the time of year that we're in, this time of uh, greatest darkness and coming light, time of uh, celebrations of the coming light reflected in holidays like the winter solstice, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, and so forth. So I want to talk particularly about the sense of renewal that's so crucial for our practice. Uh, so we could say that the, the theme is renewal in dark times, or renewal in this time of darkness. Uh, there's, a, there's this very special period, and in our culture it's particularly starting around the time of solstice and going towards the New Year's, which for many of us is a time of less work, of time with families, and can be a time for reflection, for looking more deeply, and for renewal. I think we express that culturally in the idea of New Year's resolutions, whatever the superficial ways that they're often treated. It still can be this, this wonderful time in which there, there can be a renewal going into ourselves and our lives more deeply and getting a sense of our directions, our, uh, getting a better sense of what matters. And so I want to explore that this morning to give us some ways of understanding how this time can be a time of renewal. And then also, at the end, lead us in some guided meditations which can help us each individually explore very personally, that sense of renewal. So it's this time of greatest darkness. Solstice literally means the sun standing still, that moment of transition between darkness and light. And it's a time when there are so many holidays that focus on illumination and the coming of the sun. This time of year is so powerful, and in so many cultures there is an emphasis on this. It was so powerful that it was strong enough to change the birthday of Jesus. Scholarship pretty much shows that his birthday was actually April. Did you know that? (laughs) It was actually April. I think it must have got moved to December to compete with the pagans, right? <laughs> right? Macy's. Macy's. Complete with Macy's. And, and so his birthday got shifted. Christmas is now, at this time, uh, closer to the solstice. And it's, it's also very ironic that Hanukkah in Judaism, which is a minor holiday... It's still a holiday of the light, but it's a minor holiday. And to compete with Christmas, it got elevated to become a much more important holiday than it actually is. So 
we're going to try to go to the deeper essence of this connection with the light, but it's kind of ironic that, we, I mean, we have this, this like competing spirituality that, you know, Hanukkah gets elevated to compete with Christmas, which is the date's been switched to compete with paganism. And it's interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. And, and, and yet it is this uh, powerful time of, uh, of darkness. It's also, in many ways, there's a way in which culturally and socially there's quite a bit of darkness, as we know, that there are... Uh, Many, many challenges. There are many wars going on, several of which this country is connected with. Obviously, in most of our minds, there's the economic uh, downturn. There are the, you know, probably the way bigger threats of global warming. You know, there's increasing gap between the rich and the poor, which has been increasing for a long time. And, and yet, uh, there's also, I think, culturally and socially, for many people, there's also the potential of renewal. For many people, there's a sense that it's possible now to move away from some of the most uh, unethical kinds of practices that have been going on led by governments and not just, you know, by, by both parties. I want to say that I think the kind of stance that comes out of a real, a really a sticking with the deepest ethical and spiritual commitments is going to be nonpartisan critic of both parties, both sides. I just want to say that. So lest this appear partisan. I think it's, that being said, some, some parties do worse than others, <laughs> in my view. Yeah, but still, on some things. Um, so I think in, there, there's very much, for many people, there's a sense also of potential renewal, of moving away from, from advocacy of torture, for example, you know, and, and of uh, fighting aggressive wars and so forth, and hopefully more attention to... Uh, the poor and inequities and, and environmental issues. So there, there is a sense of renewal that's, that's there for, for many people. So how do, what, what supports our sense of renewal? And I think in many ways we can really learn from the natural world. We can study it. And one of the practices I want to suggest is really giving attention at this time to the natural world. What's going on? Spend time outside. Look at the trees. Look at the land. What's happening out there? It looks kind of dark and still, but in actuality we know that the darkness and the stillness and the apparent uh, lack of movement is actually getting ready to lead to new growth. And there are ways in which our own cultivation of renewal can imitate the natural world. And I think if we bring ourselves in connection, take long walks, take long walks, be with the natural world, study it. So what helps with renewal for ourselves, for the natural world? And one of the qualities I think is so crucial is a coming to stop for some time the usual 
rush. Just like nature does. Nature comes to a stop. It's not so busy. It doesn't look so busy, at least, outwardly. You know? And we have the irony that we do that, I think, one of the deeper meanings of this time is to stop. And yet, for many of us, maybe not you if you're here, that maybe you have finished your shopping, or maybe right after the talk at 11, you're going to go out and complete that last 33 things to do before the big holiday for, you know, for those of you who celebrate Christmas. You know, and it is ironic that at this time, which I think the deeper meaning is about stopping stillness, reflection, going deeper, that we have around the uh, Christmas holidays particularly a frenzy of shopping. And then around New Year's, often a frenzy of partying and activity. Activity. That's kind of uh, ironic because I think the deeper meaning looks towards stillness, reflection, going more deeply. So that's one way that we can support renewal is to have a time to stop, take some time. And hopefully many of us are doing that. And I think every day when we sit and practice, we're doing that because we need to have this sense often of stopping to bring renewal. And I think that's true cyclically in many ways. It's true maybe on a daily basis to have a time of stopping It's true maybe on a weekly basis. I I personally, most of the last 25 years, I've taken a Sabbath. Some of you know that I often, on Wednesdays, my Sabbath is often on Wednesdays (laughs) because I come here and I teach and then I stay around the land for the rest of the day and do a kind of a a Sabbath uh, where no telephone calls or emails and so forth. And so we can do that kind of stopping on a weekly basis. And it doesn't have to be a whole day. I work with a lot of people who just take three or four hours once a week. And in a way, church is like that, that that whole model of church. I mean, the the deeper principle, whether it really serves that purpose, another question, but the deeper idea is to have a period once a week where one stops and doesn't do things in the usual way. So even to do something like that three or four or five hours. Do it every, you know, it doesn't have to be on a weekend. It can be, I have friends who do it every Friday afternoon. They stop. They take two to six, and they take it for reading and meditation, maybe taking a walk and so forth. So some kind of stopping weekly, stopping periodically when we do retreats can be incredibly valuable. And this time of year is a particularly beautiful time to do retreats. I think I've done retreats at this time probably about three-quarters of the last 25 years. And it really, I, I, love, I love the time. It really can be, be beautiful. And sometimes we need to stop in our lives. So the stopping can take a while. I know for me that's been important. There have been twice in the last 20 years when I've more or less stopped everything for a year or longer. And I've you know, I'm grateful and privileged to be able to do that economically, although some of the time I worked some. But, uh, you know, so for example, about nine years ago, I felt like I was working too much and I was not so aligned with my deeper purpose. I needed to stop and make adjustments because sometimes the stopping is necessary for the busyness in our minds to stop. Sometimes we need to create space for the new to come. 
if, if our lives are filled, sometimes there's no room for what's new and wants to come out and grow. And so this kind of stopping gives space, and we can do it in all these different ways. You know, and I, I know many of the great uh, innovators also had periods where they just came up, sometimes came up against a wall, and they just stopped. And, you know, I know uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, the great uh, Vietnamese teacher, actually stopped for five years. You know, now you look at him, he's like a dynamo traveling all around if you have followed his, his uh, teaching. But at a certain point, he was doing a lot of work for the refugees, the boat people in Vietnam, and he came up against kind of a wall, which was the, the Vietnamese government, and he stopped it. And it led to a lot of self-questioning and so forth, but he, he stopped. He did a lot of meditation for five years, a lot of gardening close to the earth. And out of that period has come, you know, and not, not, not young when he did that. I think he would have been in his uh, 50s. And out of that time came a period of tremendous renewal, creativity, and dynamic work in the world and working with people. And you can see that in a lot of people's lives. You know, and in some ways the Buddha did that. We know, you know, we know the Buddha stopped his usual life. And he took six years. <laughs> He took six years, but it led to this depth of inquiry. He just said the usual way needs a break. You need a break for that. So sometimes we need to take longer breaks like that. Sometimes it could be shorter. You know, I've worked with people who found a three-month break was incredible. And so it's something to think about when we think about renewal. You know, and but but we can do it in whatever way feels helpful. It can be just the daily break of sitting, the daily stopping. It can be something we do once a week or cyclically with retreats and so forth. It's a very valuable way to bring about renewal. Related to that kind of stopping is an internal stopping of the old habits. And there's a way in which we can, at this dark time, try to do, do things or practice in a way in which we let our habits go. We do that when we meditate. We try to be fresh to the moment. We try to see in a new way and be aware of our habits because in a way, renewal demands a moving away from our habits, doesn't it? And it's really... And some of our habits can be good. A lot of our habits are quite good, you know? And, uh, and yet we often need to find something that moves in a new way. Uh, you know, the, the common phrase, thinking out of the box. How do we find that kind of uh, openness in our own minds? And so some of it is an ability to be really fresh. And it's something we cultivate very much in our practice. We cultivate the ability to be in the moment without having our previous thoughts dominate us so much, without having all the thoughts of the past dominate us. And I probably, I think I've cited before something that comes to mind, the Stanford study that shows that 93% of our thoughts are old. 
a little bit shocking. Most of what we think during the day is recycled, you know, and it's the kind of recycling which maybe is not so helpful. <laughs> it's recycled, it's, re- it's repeated, and as um, Gil Fronsdale, who, who teaches here and also teaches in Redwood City, likes to say, if we had another person repeat things to ourselves just like we do and was just <laughs> speaking in our ear repetitively, we would consider that person the most obnoxious being on earth. <laughs> and yet we do, it, we do it to ourselves. And so part of what we do in our practice is that we learn how to be fresh. We learn how to develop what Suzuki Roshi calls beginner's mind, that ability to be fresh. And some of you know there have been a lot of... Uh, scientific studies of meditators, and they found that uh, Zen meditators, I think one famous study conducted of them, they do a very simple test where they give the person a noise, like a click, just like a click, 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 and they can determine how much attention the person is paying and whether the person gets habituated and stops really paying attention to the noise. What they found with Zen meditators was that compared to ordinary people, they are freshly hearing that click each moment. They do not get habituated. And the minds somehow stay ready to be open and to receive whatever's there. And that also means to receive what's new or what's fresh, what needs to come out, what wants to come out. Uh, that quality of openness and ability just to be fresh with things is so crucial for renewal, and it's something that we cultivate in our practice. That's why there is that kind of creativity and intuition. As we sit more, the mind quiets, and this beautiful part of ourselves that we sometimes call intuition gets stronger, and it's the ability to see things freshly, to see, to put different parts of our experience together and see larger patterns I I think of intuition as the simultaneous vision of large patterns, you know, that that we may not have been able to see before, to make connections. It's also part of the essence of creativity. You know, when I've studied poetry, for example, uh, that was my sense of what the creative aspect of poetry was. It was actually uh, my eyes would shoot metaphors out into the world <laughs> and they would connect or it's what uh, the French poet Baudelaire called correspondences. It's the seeing of connections and correspondences and it demands freshness and, it's, and when we cultivate this practice or we cultivate the silence, the settling down, that intuition, that ability uh, becomes more of our nature and it's really crucial for renewal. It's that, it's that ability to see, the ability to, to be there. Because we have to, in a way, be available for the unknown and the mysterious. And, and really to, to have that openness to, to that, to be able to be with, uh, to be able to be there without demanding that certain things happen and just have the sense of freshness being with the unknown, being, being with, uh, just being present. Uh, Stephen Batchelor said it this way. He said, there is a kind of unknowing present in meditative questioning, which is quite different from that found in the Buddhist idea of ignorance. 
In ignorance, things appear in a way in which they do not exist. They're, they're distorted, in other words. There's also a clinging and grasping involved, which solidifies the distortion and sets it up as something real and secure. Meditative unknowing is free from such grasping and distorting, distortion. Instead of clinging, it lets go. Instead of insisting that things exist in a certain way, it accepts their mysteriousness. Such unknowing loosens our hold on the immutability of the familiar. It is simple and relaxed. It retains a naive, childlike openness. And that's necessary for renewal. We have to, in some ways, be available to, uh, to what is fresh, what is new. And that really leads to a kind of knowledge. Uh, there's a beautiful poem that expresses this from, uh, from Rilke. He said it this way. And listen for the balance of being with the unknowing and how out of that knowing comes. He said it this way. I love the dark hours of my being. You could think of that, the dark hours being fresh without a kind of knowing, without the old habits. I love the dark hours of my being. My mind deepens into them. There I can find, as in old letters, the days of my life already lived and held like a legend and understood. Then the knowing comes. I am open to another life that's wide and timeless. So I am sometimes like a tree rustling over a gravesite and making real the dream of the one in living room, the one in living room's embrace. A dream once lost among sorrows and songs. So the knowing comes out of the darkness. I found this quotation from Sir Richard Francis Burton, the English translator of the Arabian Nights. He said, One knows not how to know who knows not how to unknow. One knows not how to know who knows not how to unknow. Do you get all that with all the knows and unknows? <laughs> He's basically saying it's really great to let go of stuff, then it, it leads to a kind of knowledge. I think you got that. I didn't need to say that. Another quality which helps with renewal is to focus on our deeper intentions and to focus generally on intention. Intention is a crucial part of our practice, you know, and the Buddha actually connected it with karma, as many of you know. When he explicated karma, he didn't explicate it in terms of some kind of mystical calculus of you do this and this happens or, you know, you um, step on an ant in the morning and you get stung by a wasp in the evening. (laughs) You know, he really, he said, he was asked, what is karma? And he said this. He said, intention, I tell you, is karma. Intending, one does karma by way of body, speech, and intellect. And he was basically saying that karma, which simply means doing or action, that what the way that we act in the present determines the way we will tend to act in the future. 
when we further certain habits, they will tend to happen in the future. When we develop more love or mindfulness or care, those will get stronger and be more likely to happen in the future. It's really that simple. That's really the essence of what he meant by karma. Uh, it's really that what we, basically what we feed grows. What we develop tends to get bigger. And so intention becomes this very, very central part of our practice. What are our intentions? What do we want to occur in the next years, in the next short period of time, in the next hour. And so it's a very, very beautiful and valuable part of our practice to work with intention. I think it's sometimes a a neglected part of our practice that we can, for example, at the beginning of every sitting, as we sometimes explore here, we can be in touch with our deeper intention for our practice overall. You know, and in many traditions, uh, there is a repetition of deeper intentions done every time we start to practice. And I've mentioned sometimes how I connect. Actually, I try to do this four times a day with with my own phrases that help me connect with my deeper motivation. You know, so I think I've, I'll say it again, but the one that I use is this. I say, I intend to awaken for the benefit of others. And then I hang out some with gratitude for a minute or two or three. So I start, and I intend to awaken for the benefit of others and then say, may I find peace and serenity in the midst of phenomena. May my demons and dragons become allies and helpers. <laughs> May I fully integrate the shadow and light in my body and being. May I penetrate ever more deeply into emptiness. May I be a conduit for the Dharma to manifest on this earth. May joy always be with me. May compassion always be with me. And so I repeat that to myself usually four times a day. And it makes a difference. It's like connecting and I... I, um, notice, you know, even if I'm feeling a little dull, I say that and something clicks, right? It's like there's a way of, because what happens in our daily lives is we often forget our deeper intentions. We forget our deeper motivations. You know, it's very, very common. It's just things get so busy. And then we come here or we come to a retreat and we remember something. So to do that, periodically is so crucial to do that at the beginning of a sitting, to do that in some way once a week, to do that when we do a retreat can be very, very important for renewal because it in a sense brings us back to our deeper aspiration. We can also set intentions for very in more specific ways for a sitting. We can say, we can touch with our deeper motivation. I can also say, my intention for the sitting is to keep coming back to the present moment. Or it's to not have, I, my motivation here is to not, uh, not try to make something happen, but to just to be open to whatever happens. That could be an intention. Or we could have an intention for a meeting or for a um, Christmas gathering with family to get to the more advanced practices. <laughs> uh, 
that we can set an intention. I vow to be, to try to stay in my heart. Or I, I vow to use as impeccable as possible right speech during the next hour with my family. Beyond that, it's up for grabs, but <laughs> the next hour, you know, or something like that, or go to a meeting, and we can, and that working with intentions is so powerful. And it can bring a kind of renewal. It can really, because uh, it can connect us with our deeper intention, and, and that can, that can leave some room for something new to happen. It's, it's really a, quite a, a wonderful uh, practice to do this. In a way, all we need to do to bring about renewal is leave some open space for our own being to, as it were, make the next step. And I think that's all that we need to do. All we need to do is try to ask ourselves with as much openness, moment to moment, what is appropriate right now? Wonderful story from a Zen teacher. He was asked, what is the meaning of enlightenment? Someone asked him that. And his students were thinking he would answer something quite metaphysical and profound, like the total interpenetrating brilliance of all entities being contained in each other and illuminating the world in mysterious ways. Or something about the <coughs> lack of, you know, the way that there's not really a true self and when we open up, we're one with everything. He didn't say that. He said, enlightenment is appropriate action. Some people may have been disappointed, but it was to say, to be awakened is to somehow act appropriately in each moment, to act wisely and compassionately. That's what, so it's not something big and flashy and metaphysical, it's actually the very down-to-earth ability to moment-to-moment to be in touch with that kind of living being that knows what's next. And I think that's also the key for renewal. It's to actually listen inside and to know what is my next step. Where do I next want to go? What in me is calling to be uh, manifest? What in me is calling to unfold at this moment? In my role as a teacher, that's almost all I do. When I work with someone, I just try to listen what wants to happen next at a deeper level. And often the person doesn't know that himself or herself. But as a teacher, I can often see that where another person can't quite see it. I can see what wants to happen next. And of course, it's not so helpful for me to tell that person, but I try to have the person know from inside, right? To be in touch, because of course, if that person knows how to be in touch for the next step, then that person can have the tools to do it for the further steps. And so that's often all that we do in the teaching role. We just try to encourage people to know in a deeper way what comes next. And I do believe that it comes organically out of a deep listening. That I believe that that is the nature of our beings to unfold in some way, but we have to give it space. The busyness makes that process shut down somewhat. And so we have to give the space for this. So I'd like to invite us 
if you can, to go inside for a moment. I want to give you three questions that can apply some of what I've said to your own life and experience. And then we'll have a little bit of time together to talk about what we've explored. So go inside, feel your breath and your body. And the first question is, what is your own deepest aspiration? And by the way, this is the just for you. No need to speak this out further beyond your own experience unless it's your choice. What is your deeper aspiration? Or what is your deep, deeper or deepest aspiration for your own life? How would you frame that? How would you articulate that for yourself? The second question, imagine yourself five years from now. How might you have developed in ways that connect with your deeper aspiration? If you were to have a visionary look at yourself in five years, and if that doesn't feel like an appropriate time, then choose a time that's appropriate. If it's better to do something a shorter length of time, feel free to do that. But let's say, who are you in five years if you follow your own deeper aspirations? You might have an image, imagine yourself in certain circumstances, doing things, acting, who are you with, and so forth.
And the third question is, what is my growing edge right now? What wants to happen right now or in the, the short period in the next period of time? What wants to happen that will bring, that would bring about some degree of renewal or connect me with my deeper aspirations? What's the specific growing edge right now? Could be steps I might take or actions or something that very specifically in the next, let's say, the next weeks or months will represent my own authenticity or my own, um, my own growth. Now just take a moment to reflect on what you've explored. Feel free, if it's helpful, to write some things down. Just reflect for a moment or two and then I'll, I'll ring the bell. We have some time now to talk together, and I hope those reflections at the end were were helpful. Uh, Hope they didn't disrupt your holiday plans. (laughs) Or say, oh my gosh, I got to do this, but I got plans for something else. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So any, any reflections on either what you just experienced or or anyone want to share anything or also to reflect or ask a question about the the talk really free free space for something unknown mysterious to happen please kind of the furnace one when you said the cutting edge i think the third one first one yeah the speech coming to me is dropping judgment yeah yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a great one. And it's, um, did everyone hear the comment was, remind me of your name? Alan. Alan. For Alan, his cutting edge is really clearly the dropping of judgments. And it's this uh, uh, notion of what is my main edge of growth right now? And what I find really, really helpful with that is both that it's, it has a lot of, uh, I was going to say a lot of meat. <laughs> as, a, as a vegetarian, that's an interesting metaphor to, to make, but anyway, it came out. Um, but it's, uh, it has a lot of focus, so that can really guide you in everyday life. It's beautiful to have a sense of an edge. It's also good to have, not have like six different growing edges. I mean, there may be, but to have them all in your mind can be confusing. And to have one that you keep looking at can be really, really helpful because it can, it can really give some focus so that, and it can remind yourselves each day to look at that, to work with that. And, of course, it's a big one for all of us. You know, I'm writing a book about the topic. <laughs> so I know that it's, it's a very interesting one. So, uh, so that's great, this... this um, sense of really asking yourselves, what is my edge right now? It's such a beautiful, simple question. You can ask it each day or have a sense of the continuity of a particular period. And it gives a focus to your practice. And it can help you. You can set an intention in the morning where you just say, I want to remember to look at judgments and so forth. So thank you, Alan. Please. Oh, yeah. It's a great question about the relation between intentions and the to-do list. I'm I'm tempted to ask you, do do you have a preliminary sense of how they're different? What what would you say? Um, An intention is a way of being in the present moment. Yeah. And it doesn't attach to the result of my being. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. So we need a little bit of uh, clarity about vocabulary, I guess, because we use very similar words that could we could think they're quite connected. We use what intention, objective, goal, and so forth. And um, certainly the way we're using intention, it's, it's actually, um, yeah, it's, it's not so much connected with immediate uh, outcomes and objectives. It might, it's, I think when we talk about intentions here, it's more of an intention um, to bring about a certain qual- qualities in ourself, uh, But I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding a different voice, as I'm responding to you, I'm finding different voices actually, that I think that I could have as intention to, uh, to end war. I could have an intention to respond to hope, homelessness. And I think that would be something that would be, that is an intention, but the key here is that one doesn't, um, it's, not, it's, it's something that you, we move in a certain direction. That could, and that court, you know, typically when we 
talk about intentions, it's maybe to be, have a certain quality, to be compassionate, to be in the moment, to not be so judgmental. But I think it also could be connected with actual intentions that, you know, that could have outcomes. So I hope I'm not being confusing here. Uh, but the difference with the to-do list is really, uh, is really that the intention moves us in a certain direction. It, it mobilizes energy, and it's, and it's not necessarily, um, we don't, the intention is valuable because it brings about a certain growth and learning and mobilizing of energy, let's say, for compassionate purposes. But it's not dependent on whether we're successful in some way we can pin down. And there's a way in which um, we want to be successful. If, I, if my intention is to, let's say my intention is to connect with this relative over the holiday, that could be a wonderful intention. And yet it moves me in a certain direction, but I don't have control over everything. And so it might, it might not be accomplished. If the other person doesn't want to connect with me, it's not going to work. Um, my to-do list is uh, usually um, too large. <laughs> but it would seem to be, it's, it's often very specific, and I could have an intention to do as many things on my to-do list as I could. Uh, but I think there's something about um, the to-do list which is on a different level. So, I don't know. Somehow I feel like maybe we could use some more help. I'm, I think I'm getting at it, but could you help there? Yeah, I think what we could have a to-do list and we could have an intention about how, how we approach it. Yeah. And that the how is what would be what matters rather than the list. Yeah. And then I was trying to think about intend, and I came up with um, the idea of caring. Yeah. In a state of caring, in a state of tending to something yeah. would allow us to do our list in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, the intention is more inclining us in a certain direction. Like when we, when we meditate, we intend to be mindful, but we're not always mindful. If I have my, on my to-do list to be mindful three-quarters of the time during the sitting, that's a setup. But if I have, you know, I could have my to-do list uh, meditate today. Right, that could be okay. that could be okay. So I think it's probably maybe the to-do list is so large that it could include all sorts of good intentions. So I hope that helps some. I feel like it's it's a it's a bit of a, a thicket. <laughs> Please, yeah. Have a comment. Yeah. I am um, work as a therapist with some with people and yeah. I talk with them about their values, and then we go through a set of values in different areas of their yeah. lives. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we go through the uh, actions ways of putting their values into actions and I think that that has a lot to do with I think just thinking intention is a good word for that so yeah. taking the values and putting them into action yeah and doing our best with that the, it's more like the intention inclines us or moves us in a certain direction and then we have to have uh, strategies that actually get things done so it's a little bit different maybe a different level well, maybe that's the clearest thing I've said about that it's a little bit different level but there's there's some overlap, I think. Yeah, please. Um, 
<clears throat> when we were doing the uh, meditation on you know where we want to be and what we want, what our intention is, and, and then it came to the edge, and yeah. it's like that's it, I kind of like got echoes in my hmm. in my brain, and everything started going like, well, you this 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 this, you know, it wasn't like one clear not one clear thing. Edge. So a lot of edges. A lot. And, yeah. and, and you said it's nice to have yeah. one so that you can focus your attention. Yeah. So, so I got some, I got very uh, interested. Yeah, yeah. Everyone here that, and then how many people had a similar experience? That there were a lot of, a lot of things, well, um, it is helpful to have uh, to have a sense of simplicity, or to have a major focus, and so maybe that would require a little more listening, because it's helpful. Because I mean, sometimes we can have simultaneous things that we're working on, but it's often helpful to simplify. So it's really to see when I do have multiple, as it were, edges, do I really grow, or do they get a little? Do I get a little distracted? Because my experience is it's helpful to focus. Uh, uh, Kierkegaard once said, purity of heart is to will one thing. Now, I don't think we, it has to be just one, but it's helpful to have it simpler. You know, like Alan was saying, my, you know, it's, maybe it's like, what's my major edge? You know, I mean, there, there, there are going to be a lot, you know, because we have different parts of our lives. You know, it's my, here's my edge at work. Here's my edge in the relation, my relationships. Here's my edge with my meditation practice. And maybe there, maybe, maybe we, when we look that way, there, there are different edges. But it's helpful to kind of think in term, terms of your, lar- your, your, your own deeper development as a being of wisdom and compassion. And from that perspective, what's your edge? So maybe it's helpful to frame the question a little bit more. From that perspective, what's your edge of growth? You know, so m- maybe to ask... From this perspective of the first question. Yeah, that's right. From, from the perspective of what your deeper aspiration is. Yeah, so thank you. Remind me of your name? Cynthia. Cynthia, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Please, uh, please. No, I'm, I'm using that as kind of, it's kind of the area where there's growth. I guess it's, it's almost, it's a metaphor. It's like, the edge of growth. yeah, it's like the, kind of almost like the, like the sense of a living organism, the edge of its growth, or, you know, like, like a tree, what's the edge of the growth, or the, the tree, the bud growing, and so it's, it's a kind of like a biological metaphor. So it means what organically wants to come out of me Next, and again, maybe a few things, but what, what organically wants to come out, or what, when I touch into my intuition, is or is my next step, or my next step or two, you know? Again, it could. It's it's more to ask the question, what comes to mind, you know? And I think when I'm thinking about renewal, it might be, it helps in that way because we can, when we when we go deeper, sometimes we can get a sense of we're stuck, and to get things unstuck. I need to move a little more in this direction. 
you know, and the edge, you know, the edge of growth might be for the specific edge might be for some of us to have a more regular meditation practice. That could it could be very simple like that, or it could be to have a quality come out more, like Alan, less to work with judgments, or it might be I want to really uh, work with my speech and have my sense of care and so forth in my speech. It could be it usually can be very specific like that, or it could be. Um, um, it might be to open to new possibilities uh, in my work life. You know, my edge, you know, maybe I feel a little stuck in my work, so my edge might be to say it really feels like time to, to shift. That could be a very powerful edge. Or my edge is to take a really long vacation. Um, does, that, does that help some? Maybe the last, last question, then we'll have to finish. Yeah. I had difficulty with the second part and oh, yeah. I've even forgotten what the question was. <laughs> so first of all, could you tell me what the second Okay. Well, if you did well with the first and third, forget about the second. <laughs> but, but if you want to go back to it, it's to and I I I want to acknowledge that I the question I went through them a little briefly or a little quickly, I should say. And if, you, if, you, if the questions are helpful, you might sit with them for a longer time at home because they're wonderful questions. The first question was, uh, what is my deeper aspiration in my life? The second was, how might I imagine myself five years from now, or if that's too long, could be a shorter amount of time, how do I imagine myself five years from now in light of my deeper aspiration? And the third question is, what is my growing edge right now? And so it's like, like Cynthia was saying, there's, I, I meant to connect those questions. So it's especially my growing edge in light of what's deeper for me, what's most important for me. Yeah, so you can sit with that. It's really calling forth a visionary Qualities, and it's sometimes you know, uh, it's a very helpful way sometimes to think. It takes us beyond the immediacy, like okay, five years, because for t- or, you know sometimes ten years or three years or something like that can be just to visualize that. Sometimes when we do that with um, organizations, it's very helpful, or, or for a person can really sometimes touch our own visionary qualities or the qualities of touching our deeper dreams. It can bring that out, and it's really beautiful. So you can try that at the right moment when you're in the mood where you can really call upon that. Yeah, so, so, so if you got the first and third, fine. Then the second will fall in place. <laughs> so, so my intention is to continue with this next time. And what I encourage you to do, let me see, what I encourage you to do is to do some practices if you feel so called that help you with a sense of uh, renewal, that help you with a sense of touching more deeply. You might do these, uh, work with these questions in the next uh, week. You might work with them, you know, every day and ask, your, ask those questions. You might consciously slow down more to stop, be with the natural world, walk and look at how does nature do, how does nature do renewal? No, and and we can learn something from that. Uh, 
You can be with the darkness. We just did a, uh, a solstice meditation retreat where we sat in the darkness at times. It's quite beautiful. I love that. We sat in the darkness at before dawn, and we sometimes sat in the night. Everything goes dark, and we sit, and it has this sense of out of the darkness, light comes, and something new comes. Uh, so to be with, uh, be, with, be with the unknown. And then lastly, work with your intentions. Work with your intentions in the morning. You can ask questions. You might find your own version of that statement of deeper intentions that I expressed for myself. Maybe there'd be some version of that. The main thing probably is just to take some time. If I had to say, if I could just say one thing would be that renewal demands creating a space, creating some space and time. That newness generally comes out of some open space and time and not so much out of busyness and distraction. So we need to create that space and time. So thanks so much for your attention about intention. And let's just sit for 30 seconds to finish. Remembering that we do this practice not just for ourselves but for others. We offer the fruits and the the value in our time together out beyond these walls, out into the world for the benefit and the healing and the freedom of all beings. So thank you so much and I hope to see many of you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.